new month. I left and I came back. It's September. <laughs> this is awesome. And the new month's theme for September is the power of mind. Remember, we use the themes that the Science of Mind magazine uses. So if you want any additional information about that theme, grab a, grab a Science of Mind magazine in uh, the bookstore because we're coordinated. Isn't that lovely? So you get to read articles about the same theme that we're talking about every week. So, so this month, September, is the power of mind. And today we're discussing the consciousness of oneness. You kind of got that, right? I mean, we've been talking about it all morning. The quotes were about that. It's all about oneness. And Ernest Holmes said this about oneness in, in uh, Love and Law. He said, there is one, not two. Never forget this. Anywhere in the universe, just one. That one life is the substance of everything. It is one in unity, but multiple in manifestation. It is one substance from which an infinite variety of different things come. But every one of those things is made from the one thing. I mean, that's it. Let's go to coffee. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that's all you need to know. There's only that. There's only one. Now, of course, and it sounds like physics class when you were in high school, doesn't it? You know, there's only one, right? There's only energy. You know, you can't trust atoms. They make up everything, you know. <laughs> it's just the same thing as what you learned in high school. Everything is made of one thing. That's what the scientists said, right? Now, the theologists, they say the same thing. Everything is made of one thing, but instead of atoms or energy, the theologists say spirit. But, but it's the same thing. We are both arriving at the same conclusion, but coming through different disciplines. Yes? There's only one. One, one, one. You hear it. The mystics have said it. They've been saying it for thousands of years. There's only one. Even before they could prove it, quantitatively or scientifically, we, we intuitively knew that there is only one. And so that's what I'm talking about today, even though I've been on vacation for a week and I have vacation brain. <laughs> I come back and I'm like, oh, God, how do you do this one again? You know, <sighs> what did that made me think I could speak to oneness right, right off the, right out of the, the basic shoot. It's like, oh, my God. But now, but here's the thing. It is a basic tenant of our teaching philosophy, isn't it? Right? The fact that core concept one says God is all there is. That's one. That's oneness. Now, here's what Core Concept One says specifically. On the universal side, right, the thing itself, the nature of God and the spiritual universe, it says this. There is one cosmic reality principle and presence in the universe, God. All creation originates from this one source. God is and God is all there is. That's it. That's what it says. Now, on the human side, right, our own personal use of this the human is the way it works, the relationship of God and humankind. It says each human being is a creation of God, made of God's substance, a unique individualized incarnation of spirit. This incarnated spirit is my essence and the essence of every human being. That's all there is, just the one. You know, and it goes on to say that our essence is uniquely us, and that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? We are individualized expressions of God. We're not individuals. We are individualized expressions of that one substance. That essence that is the truth of who we are. It cannot be destroyed. It cannot be damaged, de diminished, or lost throughout our entire eternal journey. That is the truth of who we are. God is us, in us, as us, through us. That is what we are. 
So then you have to ask yourself, or I have to ask myself, so why do I have trouble manifesting, right? If all, all there is to me is spirit, if the truth is all there is to me is that I am an incarnation of the one life, and all of the qualities of God are qualities within me, why do I have trouble manifesting sometimes? If we are what God is, there mustn't be any doubt that we get to have, be, or do what we are. There mustn't be any doubt. And I think that's where we sort of wander off, isn't it? We begin to doubt. We are the outpicturing of the divine. That's all we are. And yet we struggle with our demonstrations, don't we? Or maybe only I do. I shouldn't even talk for you. Maybe it's only me. I struggle with my de demonstrations, you know? I would think if spirit is in me, if, I, if all I am is spirit, how can I possibly feel separated or apart from my good? How is that even possible? And Ernest Holmes said this. He said, unity is the basis of all that there is. There is but one God, but one mind, but one spirit, and only one power. When I embody myself in only my thoughts selfishly, I am separating myself from that which I think would be my good. And he goes on to say this. You may think that is a very subtle thing and could not be the reason for so much trouble. It is the foundation of most of our troubles. I am unconsciously separating myself from my good. That's what Ernest Holmes said in Love and Law. So I'm praying for a new home, right? But insisting a new home is hard to get, I am unconsciously producing the very conditions by which that demonstration is made. Make sense? If I am praying for a thing and insisting on how that thing comes to me, I am limiting a limitless principle and I am creating the very delay of my desire. Ernest Holmes said, we behold the infinitude of space hung with pictures. That is all there is in the universe. Isn't that gorgeous? I love that. You want me to say that again? We behold the infinitude of space hung with pictures. That is all there is in the universe. That's just delightful. That is amazing. That's so comforting, right? We must teach ourselves to think what we desire to think, to feel what we desire to feel, and place no limit in miracles. Place no limit on principle. Principle is absolute. Principle is the absolute. We pray, don't we? We do pray, right? <laughs> Good. Like, I don't want to be the only one up here praying. Okay. We do pray, but we reserve sometimes our faith, don't we? We reserve our faith because we don't want to appear foolish in the 21st century and talking about miracles. And I think that has a lot to do with it sometimes. But, you know, the interesting thing is miracles happen all the time. We just, they're just course corrections, aren't they? They're just the revelation of truth that flows into our lives. That's all we call miracles. They may not enter because of our unbelief. That's what happens. When we pray, 
But over here, we're kind of hedging our bets, right? Because I just know this is going to happen. But if it doesn't, oh, this thing over here is going to, this is okay. I can deal with that. I can have that. If I can't have this, I'll have that, right? We're always hedging our bets. That's really holding back on our faith. And we can't, we can't enter because of our unbelief. We think we're being reasonable, right? Don't be reasonable. God only knows. What has reason ever gotten us? <laughs> we think we're being reasonable, and all we're doing is putting the reins on God. All we're doing is holding spirit back. Spirit is a limitless principle. Spirit is the absolute. And all we're doing is holding it back going, you know, the odds are this isn't going to work. So I'll, I'll just be happy with this little part right over here, right? Believing that principle is not bound by precedence. I love that phrase. That was a Thomas Troward, right? Principle is not bound by precedence means that the absolute can never be held back by what has ever happened before it. It doesn't matter what has happened before it. Cause can make whatever is put into it. Cause can make whatever is put into it. We are proving an immutable principle that spirit is limitless. It gets limited by our thoughts. It gets limited by us. We're the ones, oh, that's, not, that's hardly likely. Gee, I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it. I'm not smart enough, young enough, educated enough, whatever. We are constantly reining God in instead of it letting it run wild and free through our lives. We have to go back to the understanding of the beginning of this philosophy. Seed, soil, plant. Remember that? Anybody take foundations? Raise your hand. Okay, seed, soil, plant. You remember, right? <sighs> we see no life in the seed. You can hold them in the palm of your hand. You see no life in the seed. It is the thought. It is just the thing of our desire. You see no creative power in the soil. The dirt's dirt, right? You see no creative power in the soil. Yet we know when we plant the seed in the universal receptive mind, we're planting our thought into a, into a receptive medium. We do that end end. This is the important part. We, we plant the seed in the soil and we provide the, the nurturing conditions. Sunlight, right? Fertilizer. We got plenty of that. Um, water, right? Water. We provide the, the, the nutrients, faith and positive emotion. That's what the nutrients are. And we get a manifestation. That's how it works. Seed, soil, plant. Ernest Holmes said this, and can we talk to God? He said, the secret of spiritual power is a consciousness of one's union with the whole and the availability of good. We are one with a universal creativeness, which is the God of theology, the spirit of mysticism, the reality of philosophy, and the principle of science. Ouch. God is accessible to all people. That's what Ernest Holmes said. Don't you love that? I love that. We are one with the creative consciousness, which is the God of theology, the spirit of mysticism, the reality of philosophy, and the principle of science. That's what we are. That's what this teaching philosophy is about, proving the principle. We are aligning with this power and presence, which has always been and always will be, going back to the, the, the physics, right? Always will be, always has been. Energy, always will be, always has been. Same thing. Can neither be created nor destroyed. All it does is change form. That's spirit. So we are aligning with this eternal power and presence, 
for specific purposes. That's what we do, right? That's what our prayers and our meditations and our visioning, that's what that is all about. We desire good for ourselves. We direct it for specific purposes, but, but the bigger picture is what? We desire good for all. That's what this is about. That's what the consciousness of one is about. We desire good for all. We hold a thought that we want for ourselves, but not for our neighbor. That's what Ernest Holmes was talking about when he said the, the selfishness. It is the selfishness that has caused most of our trouble, right? That's the consciousness of separation. That's the illusion that is contrary to the consciousness of oneness. I want good for me, but, you know, those people, yeah, whatever, right? That's the illusion of separation, and that is what runs contrary to the consciousness of oneness. In Freedom from Stress, Ernest Holmes said, consequently, we are one even while we are many. And since each of us is a part of the whole, if we seek to destroy each other, we only ultimately hurt ourselves. This is the great lesson of life. We cannot hold negative thoughts about our brothers and sisters and manifest positive results for ourselves. It runs contrary to the principle which recognizes we are one. We are one. That would be a house divided against itself, right? We've been warned about that from thousands of years ago. We've been warned about that. It's like saying, I want to manifest abundance for myself. But these legs, damn, these legs have not been helping me lately. I don't want any abundance for them. The heck with them, right? It would be like saying that very same thing. Like part of ourselves we don't want abundance for, but the rest of us, we do. We cannot separate it out. If we want good for ourselves, we want good for all. We cannot penetrate the absolute with what we desire while holding things against others. It doesn't work that way. We are all one, individualized, not individuals. When we think and when we pray from the absolute, we demonstrate, don't we? When we hold nothing against anyone else, we are, we are just as content for the good we're praying for ourselves for everyone to have that same good. Everyone. That's what Ernest Holmes said, right? That's what Ernest Holmes said, and I believe it. When he said, and, and you know, it's really interesting when Ernest Holmes talked about inquiring after people when he would come to Sunday service or something, he, would, he wouldn't ask people how they, how they are, how they're doing. He would always ask them, how are you thinking? Don't you love that? How are you thinking? Are we keeping ourselves immersed in the absolute? When we are there and nowhere else, we make manifestations occur on a regular basis because we're speaking our word from the absolute. And in the absolute, there cannot be an other. There cannot be an other. We are one. We are one. You know what the best manifestation I have seen lately? The best one I've seen in a long time? You're sitting in it. <laughs> this place, this, this sanctuary was a fabulous manifestation of the consciousness of this group. You know? <laughs> when, Wow, I mean, think about that. We did this, this group did this by visioning, by praying, by meditating. We did this with our belief in our faith, backed by moving our feet, right? And we did this way back when we were at uh, the Seventh-day Adventist Church in Tierra Santa. 
Think about it. We did all of that praying, all of that manifesting, all of that visioning to get the place over on Mission Gorge. Remember? We were united in prayer where two or more are gathered, right? We held nothing against anybody else when we were doing that work. This was about manifesting for ourselves. And when we grew our consciousness to a great enough experience of what is possible, we manifested that place over on Mission Gorge Road, and yay, we were thrilled. We were thrilled. We knew it when we got it. It was our own place. Yay. It was kind of like moving out of mom's house <laughs> and getting your own apartment for the first time, wasn't it? Right? You know, and the bookshelves are made out of cinder blocks, you know, and it was like cool, but we loved it. <laughs> May not have been the place of our dreams, but we loved it. It was a fierce and magnificent demonstration of the consciousness of this group. Sure, it didn't have a kitchen or running water. Who needs that? <laughs> sure, the bathrooms were outside and the ceiling was too low. There were poles in the main room, but it was ours. The point was we grew our consciousness great enough to manifest that place, right? You go from A to B to C. You don't just go from A to Z. Hmm. And the manifestation of consciousness moves on from there. Like the, like the, the quote, once, you're, once your consciousness is expanded, it has, doesn't go back, right, to the original size, like Reverend Jean had said. So we continued to, to practice gratitude. We were thrilled with our first new place. We continued to bless it every time we walked in there. We blessed it. We loved it. We made it work. And our happiness and our gratitude and our thanksgiving provided the space for even more to come into our experience, right? And then we went from there to here. And you can't even look at the place over there anymore. It doesn't exist. They just put 750 apartment buildings there on that spot. It's like gone, gone. And, and we manifested this. And this, we didn't have to raise money for this one, right? This one was basically built for us because they just wanted us to leave so badly. <laughs> it was hilarious. Anyway, make no mistake about it. This was the continuation of that demonstration. Because as we grow in consciousness, the demonstration grows. So we didn't go from the SDA to right here, but we, we grew in consciousness of what we would accept and what we were looking for and what we thought possible. And as we grew in consciousness, we arrived here, right? Hmm. Ernest Holmes said, if we're making a few dollars, it'd be a huge stretch for someone to, to hand you a million. You have to grow into the consciousness of abundance. But it evolves as we evolve. We think of something, we pray this good for our lives, and then we manifest it, and then we are there, and then we are grateful. And we're so grateful, we, we provide that fertile soil for even greater good. And we were of one mind for this demonstration, right? Including, but not limited to, the building, the money, the upkeep, the lease, the cleaners, the good and the wise stewardship of the good we had already been given, yes? Right? the good and the wise stewardship of this place, all of it. So now here we are. We're growing, we're thriving, we're in this magnificent place. And you know what's interesting? We've gone from being members of vision to being owners of vision. Do you feel that? Do you feel that, really? We are owners of vision. And as owners, we recognize the consciousness of oneness. 
we recognize that we are all in this together. This is our place, right? This is our place. And, and the fact that we get all of this good doesn't take away good from others. And that's what we're talking about. The fact that we have manifested all this good doesn't limit good for others. It's not like there's a pie. Well, there's a pie, but there's limitless pies too. You know, there's not just, if we have something, it takes away anything from anybody else. There is good for all. And the consciousness of abundance lends itself to abundance for all. We wanted something for ourselves. We demonstrated it. We held nothing against anyone else manifesting good for themselves. And here we are. Here we are. That is the power of mind. That is the consciousness of oneness demonstrating through this group. We've done this. We've done this. This is the consciousness of vision. And as we continue to support each other and this spiritual home and grow and expand in consciousness, we'll create even more demonstrations, don't we? Individually and as a group. That's the consciousness of oneness. You look around and you can just see it all over. You see it in the eyes of, of someone else in this vision community. We are here. We're, we are it. We are demonstrating the consciousness of oneness. Every time we walk into this building, I can't tell you, every time I walk in, it's like, ah, you know, <laughs> just that song of gratitude, you know, every time I walk in, ah, absolutely. And the more grateful we are, right, the more things that there are, there are, the more things there are to be grateful for. Ernest Holmes said this, and I want to finish up with this. He said, you are united with all. You are one with the eternal life itself. The presence of spirit within you blesses everyone you meet, tends to heal everything you touch, brings gladness to the life of everyone you contact. Therefore, you are a blessing to yourself, to humankind, and to the day in which you live. You are that blessing. You're that blessing to me and to vision and to each other. Thank you so much. <laughs>